0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's me, Dave McMahon. Welcome to my little show called Unleashed on 4680q.ca and 4680q.com. We are brought to you by Niagara Mobile Rust Proofing. And I am excited about having my guest chit chat with me about the exciting world that he is part of as far as his career goes. Sean Summers is here. He's a youth justice worker and he works for Peninsula Youth Center. Um, So we've got lots to talk about. He's got some killer stories to share with us. I'm certain of it. Welcome to Unleashed, Sean.
1: Thank you for having me. Great to be back.
0: It's great to be back uh, in the saddle with you as well, yes. right here. We had you on some time ago talking about uh, Bitcoin. That's right. As you chair the Niagara Bitcoin
1: group. That's right. Niagara Bitcoin meetup actually happening tonight. We're going to be at the Eager Beaver at 7 p.m. So if anyone wants to talk Bitcoin, come on out to the falls and uh, we can do that. Um, yeah. So... Uh, That's exactly right. Bitcoin was what I was here for before.
0: Yeah. And so your life is so much larger than Bitcoin. It's hard to believe, but you do have your finger in a few other
1: pies. That's true. That's true. Yes.
0: So as your day job, as your career, you are a youth justice worker for Peninsula Youth Center, correct?
1: That is correct. Yeah. Peninsula Youth Center just outside of Welland. Um, Uh, I guess it's technically in Fenwick, is is the address, is Fenwick, Um, and uh, Peninsula Youth Centre is uh, one of the facilities run by Banyan Community Services, which is a nonprofit out of Hamilton.
0: Okay, and so there's there's three different residential facilities, several community-based programs for youth, and so Banyan is the big uh, umbrella.
1: Yep, absolutely. So Banyan's been doing uh, work with youth, young people, um, for quite some time, actually, um, I think that's since the late 70s. And they also actually have a program for seniors called Groceries. It's in Hamilton. Uh, provides food for people who can't get out to shop for themselves. So they got the youth and uh, handled and also seniors. If you're in between there, not so much, but we've got youth <laughs> and seniors covered. So, uh, but primarily, it is a lot of uh, youth. Um, and actually, you know what? I, should, I misspoke there because they are branching out into some uh, part, uh, domestic violence type stuff. So they're, you know, they're actually kind of helping people across the age spectrums now. It's not just youth and seniors anymore. But uh, my experience has always been in the youth, youth and particularly the youth justice portion.
0: And We're going to certainly do a deep dive into what's going on at your facility sure. and also about uh, youth crimes and uh, things of such. But I also want to point out to the audience that you are a dog owner and you are a dog training enthusiast. Yes. And I have given you that official title today <laughs> when we were off air. Uh, you know. So first off, for those that haven't had the pleasure of listening to you before on a past episode when you spoke about Bitcoin, uh, your dog. Tell us briefly about your dog. Sure.
1: We- we have uh jasper at home he is a i'm gonna say 18 months old right around 18 months old and he is a labradoodle so uh we got him from our uh friends that uh uh they're up in the air area just outside of guelph and um he so he grew up on a, like he was born on a farm and we got him uh his mom is a lab uh, Chocolate Lab, his dad is a standard poodle. He's a little bigger than we thought he's going to be. He's about 80 pounds. Uh, <laughs> That's
0: always fun when yeah, you grow exactly. bigger. exactly.
1: He just kept growing and growing, right? But now he's uh, probably about his full size now. Uh, he's a great dog. Uh, he's been doing some training with him, like you say. And uh, yeah, he actually just, um, through Therapy Tales Ontario, he's now completed the evaluation and we're going to start going out and doing some visiting, maybe seniors, schools, a few things like that. We're going to get him out there, maybe share the joy of Jasper.
0: Yeah, share the joy of Jasper for sure. And Jasper's going to have to have an Instagram page real soon.
1: Yeah, we'll (coughs) see about that. My sister has Instagram pages for both of her dogs. I'm not sure if I'm going to go the effort of, of doing that, but we'll see. Yeah. And you know what? The thing, funny thing is, is so his middle name is Aloysius, Jasper Aloysius. Yeah. There's actually already a dog with that Instagram handle, so uh. I don't know what we would do if we'd have to figure something else out.
0: And, you know, what qualifies you as a dog training enthusiast is because not only have you um, brought your dog for obedience classes to uh, to Karen Faragelli, who's a well-accomplished trainer out of the Port Colburn area. Uh, but your interest in dog training has gone further than that as you have become involved in pet-facilitated therapy and dog visitation. Congratulations on that. I believe your dog recently passed a test.
1: Yes, just uh, the evaluation. So through Therapy Tales Ontario, you can uh, apply to become a, have your dog be a therapy trained therapy dog or... Um, registered to do therapy uh, work, the dog, uh, you know, has to obviously be friendly has to be able to interact with some uh, unexpected scenarios. Primarily, they're looking to see if you have good control of your dog and is your dog of the right temperament, both with people and with other dogs. Because most of the time the therapy dogs are out, they're doing it in teams, whether two, three, four, or even more dogs. So your dog has to get along with other dogs generally. You have to have control of your dog and then you can um, join the uh, their charity or charitable organization. This is a yearly fee, but it's very reasonable you get a shirt you'll put it on and you can go to the registered therapy nice. events
0: nice well and continue uh, your passion as a dog owner and as a dog training enthusiast because i know uh, you really enjoy the whole the yeah, whole thing absolutely so back to your work as a youth justice worker uh, did you go to school for this to become a youth justice worker. I mean, there's other uh, yeah. titles we could give you in yeah. that
1: sort of perspective. Sure. Uh, so, no. The short answer is no. Not exactly. Um, although the people do, obviously you can go to school to be, a, to be a youth justice worker or to be a child and youth worker. If you wanted to go to Niagara College, they have a child and youth worker program. Um, and there's other there's a variety of ways you can enter into the field. Um, my The way I ended up in it, it was almost by accident. It's certainly something, nothing I ever intended to do. Um, I left Niagara uh, as a call it high school graduate and uh, I went off to Emmanuel Bible College in Kitchener and I don't know if we mentioned that before so while I was there I was studying to be a youth pastor right I wanted to work with youth so in that sense yes I was going to you know do learning about working with teenagers that's what I was excited to do and while I was there um, I had roommates in college as many people do and one of my roommates got a job at a place called uh, Ray or Hope Manor at the time there's an organization in Kitchener that's called Ray of Hope very similar to what Banyan Community Services does. And they ran a facility just outside of Kitchener called Hope Manor, now known as Ray of Hope Secure. And he had a job there and he said, this job is great. You know, we work, and it's like a jail and we work here with the kids and all this stuff. So me and another guy, we were like, all right, maybe they'll take us. So we applied and got accepted and that's when I started. So I actually started doing that uh job as a youth justice worker there just the day after my 19th birthday is when i started um so and that's really what i've been doing as my main job ever since is working with teenagers in conflict with the law either there or now that i've moved down to back to niagara um, at Peninsula Youth Center. You enjoy your work? I, I really do, actually, right? It, it really matters. If you love your work, yeah. boy, the day goes by much better. It does, right? And, uh, you know, there are definitely challenging days, and maybe we'll talk about some of those, but there's also a lot of uh, fun opportunities, a lot of chances to actually make a difference in some kids' lives. Um, my role has changed over the years. I don't do exactly what I did when I first started, of course. Um, I've got a different uh, role now, but over the over the long long term of it, I would say yes. I definitely do enjoy my job. So
0: yeah. So so what brings kids to the facility, and and what sorts of uh, what are the nature of crimes uh, that have occurred that would warrant kids to end up. At your facility,
1: right? Okay, great question. And a lot of people don't get this when they first understand, like, hear what I do, right? Because we say we work at Peninsula Youth Center. So, well, what's a youth center? Is it like a group home? Is it like we've actually had people show up at the front door and say, can, "My kid's being really bad. Can we can I drop them off here?" And <laughs> the short, no, you cannot. You cannot do that. So the kids who come to us are coming to us because the courts have sent them to us. So they have to have committed, at least allegedly committed, a crime. They've been arrested by the police and they're coming to us. Now, Peninsula Youth Center is uh, secure custody. Okay, So in Ontario, there's two different places a young person could go. Open custody, well, number one, they would just stay at home with a promise to appear, right? You get arrested. Their parents say, all right, I'll take them back. You have to show up to court on this date. Show up or whatever. Or you're going to get in more trouble. Um, Kids who have committed certain crimes uh, would go to what's called open custody, potentially, and actually all kids the default is to go to open custody and the open custody place will say, no, this kid actually belongs insecure. So at open custody, sort of the doors are not locked. They, it's, very, it's similar, but the kids could run away anytime they want. Yeah, come, is, and go,
0: come and go as they please or not exactly? Not
1: exactly, no, but they have more opportunity to go out into the community and do some things there. It's, a little more freedom. It's a little more freedom. It's like a minimum security you could think of. Whereas I work at Peninsula Youth Centre, which is what you could think of as maximum security. So the kids coming to us generally are going to have committed a crime that an adult would be sentenced to five years or more for. So could really be anything from assaults a lot of uh, aggravated assaults, so kids who jumped another kid and really injured, or another person and injured them. Robberies, um, right on up to you know any any uh, the worst crimes imaginable, right? So we have murderers and we have manslaughter. Um, anything like that? So you do have that. We absolutely do, right? right? So, so we you, are. You as, deal with kids at your facility that have murdered people. Have yes, we have kids who have been convi- convicted or stabbed people. Stabbed, uh, assault, yep, yeah. assault with a weapon, aggravated assault, assault causing bodily harm, uh, uh, murder, um, sexual assaults, and various types of those things, arson. Um, you know, it used to be back in the day, you know, stealing cars was a thing. A lot of kids would steal cars. I'm sure they still do. Or stealing car rims. Steal, I don't know about stealing. I don't think kids do that anymore. No. What, what do you do with a rim <laughs> these days? I don't know. Maybe what do I wheel, know? Maybe. But, uh, yeah. Um, and so a lot of those things, or and also drug-related offenses, so some of your trafficking things, gun charges are big these days. Um, so kids with gun charges, um, whether it's discharging the firearm or attempted murder or murder, a lot of the, the, the unfortunately, a lot of the kids these days do have gun related uh um char- charges
0: it's terrible how many, how many youth are getting their hands on guns nowadays in
1: Australia I mean the, they are available out there so if, if they are going to be end up in the wrong hands at some point so
0: so typically how long would a, a youth stay at the facility
1: right so it's it's tough to say um I, I would say on average it's probably two or three weeks but that's with the caveat that a lot of kids have come in for only a, a little bit of a short period of time, right? So, of course, anyone charged with a crime is innocent until proven guilty, right? So, when you're arrested and you go to come to our facility, you're going to have a, a court trial or not a trial, but like a, a hearing within a few days to say, should this, should this person still be held in custody? Should they stay um, in detention um, in this facility while they await their court date right and, um, and for young people it's actually a little bit different than it is for adults the uh, onus is reversed the crown has to show why they should stay not the, uh, the accused be showing why they should be let out right so it's actually it, you know it, it is only the more serious crimes uh, or the more likely to not show up to court that are going to stay with us in detention so some kids are here overnight with me overnight or a week or two. Uh, and then you do get some that are more like a couple months while they wait for their bail hearing or their, something like that. And, of course, we do have kids who are with us for quite a long period of time, years, uh, occasionally.
0: Now, I understand once upon a time you had boys and girls yes. at the facility.
1: Yes. It has been a long time since that happened. Wow. And when, you think, when you look back at it, you think how crazy that is. But that's just how the system used to work. So... Um, We used to have uh, boys and girls actually within the same facility living on the same unit. Now, the thing was there was only ever two or three girls, maybe four, in the facility at any given time. um, Just because far fewer females commit offenses of the type that would come to us. But, uh, yeah, that uh, that was before... The law changed from the Young Offenders Act to the Youth Criminal Justice Act. And that was in 2003, I'm pretty sure, because I looked it up this morning, uh, in case it came up. Um, so, yeah, back when I worked originally in, uh, in, back in Kitchener, boys and girls, and here even at Peninsula Youth Center, boys and girls for a few years.
0: What about uh, transgender Uh, As far as youth that are
1: transgender,
0: to your knowledge, do you have any transgender youth uh, at the facility currently or ever?
1: Well, uh, uh, so one of the things with youth youth justice in general is that there is uh, very strict rules about confidentiality. So whether or not I did have one now, I wouldn't tell you anyway. But what I would say is that Peninsula Youth Center is a facility for male youth now. Okay. How someone identi- if someone identifies as male, they w- could be placed at my facility. So the, the short answer is yes. someone who is transgender right. is identifying as male would be here would be held at a male facility. That's how it works. Now
0: excuse my ignorance in the next statement or question. Uh, have you got any youth that identify themselves as a cat,
1: <laughs> dog
0: or a bear? Uh, you know, or a snake or a macaw bird. Uh, certainly- because uh, these days there are some kids, uh, I have uh, friends that are school teachers, and they have brought to my attention that certain kids will identify themselves as a different being. And is there a particular uh, proper name or definition of this?
1: in terms of what the definition or the name is of that, I'm not sure. I do know what you're talking about, right? And I've had friends who are school teachers as well. Um, at, as of so far, right, we don't we don't have that at the facility, right? So the type of kids that come to us are, are usually a little bit more, uh, not necessarily the kind of, kind of kids who might uh, identify in that way. I don't know, maybe not. Either way, they wouldn't be able to have any costumes or whatnot. And, yeah,
0: no such get-ups No allowed. such
1: get-ups would be allowed and, and you know, while we would obviously discourage it, I think that the peer pressure inside the, the the facility, like the just the environment, those other kids would say, what are you kind of doing there? Maybe you should be a little more normal
0: What about the uh, the extracurricular sort of uh, goodness or programs that you have brought in to to the center? Mm-hmm. I understand that uh, you've had a couple of different pet facilitated therapy programs or dog visitation programs uh, talk about that
1: absolutely so and actually that is now what my role is at peninsula youth center so i'm my role is now program facilitator so all of those extracurricular type things so either volunteers coming in or programs that are being run within the facility is something i either coordinate or i do the the training—it's uh, the teaching itself, right? So, um, in terms of coming in from the outside, we can start with the dogs for sure. At uh, PYC, so uh, PYC is what we call Peninsula Youth Center for short. At PYC, we've had dogs coming in for uh, well over ten years now, even before my time in this role. Uh, we at one point we had dogs come in and sort of live with us. We had dog houses outside, and they would come, and the kids would do some training. And, um, I think oftentimes what it was is like, this is a dog that was maybe a little bit of a problem. And so we would take it as a respite for the owner, help to do some training that way. I think we did have some good success like that. One of the problems there though, is some kids, uh, who are in the facility are very enthusiastic about the dogs, right? And so you have this dog living here and great, this dog is, they're cleaning up after the dog. They want to spend time with the dog or whatever. Well, that kid might get out and now you've got a bunch of kids who don't really care, and they don't want to do that, and then it falls on the staff who are already trying to do their regular job, and now they get a dog to take care of. And so, so it can be taxing. It can on be a this little staff. taxing. So like uh, it's been about uh, since about twenty fourteen or fifteen, we haven't done that the dog program in that way. But we've been really lucky to have Therapy Tales Ontario coming in to our facility. Once, so it's been rekindled. Oh yes, absolutely. Because the kids do a lot of the kids do really enjoy spending time with dogs. They have dogs at home. They are just like dogs. It's a dog. Is not going to judge them. The dog's not going to bully them. The dog's just going to sit there and and you know doesn't wants to spend time with these kids, right? So the kids really do appreciate that. We have kids that are lower functioning, kids that have autism, kids that you know are targeted by their peers, and they really oftentimes those are the ones that really do enjoy having the therapy tail dogs come in. So they've been coming in for a bit. Now they come in weekly. Uh, And that's actually how I got connected with Therapy Tales and and decided to put Jasper through the uh, evaluation.
0: Yeah, and hats off to Therapy Tales for doing an excellent job with their dog visitation program. I know many people that uh, are in Therapy Tales and participating in the Therapy Dog Visitation program. In fact, uh, one of them is uh, Pauline Barnes. Okay, so, so uh, i don't know Pauline. yeah so yeah. shout out to Pauline for sure but uh yeah just a great great group yeah um so do, do you were oh, the other thing is i was going to ask you do you have dogs coming in solely that are working for uh search work so do you have any detection dogs ever come in the facility looking for guns explosives narcotics or anything as such
1: uh so No, not that I've ever seen. I don't believe we've ever had dogs come through that way. And and certainly I hope we never have guns or uh, um, explosives come in because the the compound is secure, right? It'd be impossible for guns to come in. But we do have occasionally contraband uh, drugs that do come in either over the the fence. So we have a very, if you ever drive by our facility, it's on... uh, Weber road or lincoln turns into weber as you're leaving welland at the corner of cream street and uh weber road you'll see very high fence 20 foot plus high fence uh with uh, barbed tight. wire there's no barbed wire but at the top oh jeez i had a picture in <laughs> at my the head top the uh, it and we try to make it not too uh, institutional looking in that sense with uh, that but it does have tight chicken wire type at the top so even if you were able to climb up the fence you couldn't uh grab a hold and keep get out right that's the goal there if we were in america they'd have the bar boy yeah, i'm sure they would right because america <laughs> treats their young their young offenders or their young people um, much much different than canadians do right and this is pros and cons to that i think mostly our, i prefer our system in that sense but so we do have occasional uh, contraband issues we've never brought the dogs through um we do have to search the youth though that's one of the parts of our job not the not the not a fun part right we do have to do strip searches and this is a, it is still a correctional facility
0: So if you ever do require any narcotic detection dogs, one of the divisions of my company, Dave McMahon Dog Academy, is that we do have dogs trained to detect contraband. So we do uh, provide
1: that service
0: so you can always
1: reach out to us if you ever wanted us to show up with a couple of dogs to do some search work. I think that'd be super fun uh, to see that, number one, in in action and to catch, catch the kids who have any drugs and then laugh at them.
0: And also, uh, because you are, Sean, as we've pointed out a couple of times already, a dog training enthusiast, at some point in time, uh, you and your dog should enroll in private lessons in detection work with me personally, so I'm giving you private lessons, and we get your dog trained as a detection dog, so now you have an in-house, so to speak, detection dog, so that's something we could talk about later. That's
1: a great idea. All right, I, I look forward to that for sure.
0: So often, I'm sure you hear this question: uh, you know, do you work for the Ontario government? Is this a government position, and you get to enjoy all of these holidays and perks like many other government employees?
1: Wait, uh, so no, actually, we—I am not a government employee. So a lot of people are surprised by that—that that, uh, there's jails operated in uh, Ontario that aren't li- like we're private. We're a private company, right? So people think that you know jails are, are run by the province and obviously adult jails are and some youth jails are but ontario is one of uh i think maybe the only but there might be another one uh provinces that has a two-tier youth justice system so um there are direct what we call direct operated facilities um there's a variety a number of them in ontario the roy mcmurtry center is in brampton and Sprucedale youth center is in simcoe um so those staff there are employees of the ontario government and there are other what we call um, transfer payment organizations. So we are funded by the government, but we're a private organization. Banyan Community Services is a non and so I'm paid by Banyan. Banyan receives funding from the government. So what that means is, well, a few things. It means, number one, we don't get paid nearly as much. Uh, I think we do get all the same ho- holidays off, but we don't. There is a significant pay Uh, gap right and that's one of the things we're trying to address we're currently about to go into bargaining and we are looking at at making some gains there but
0: however but the sense of accomplishment you know and and all of this is probably worth it for you as well i
1: mean uh, i'd still like to to get a little bit you'd still like to get a few bucks more The, the, the sense of accomplishment is fine but yeah no we'd like to bump the uh bump the pay up a little bit there um but the reality is we are doing the same job with actually the exact same kids, right? So uh, there's times when Spruce Dale or Roy McMurtry Center will send us youth that are causing problems there or for whatever reason they can't take, and then we'll send other youth right back to them. So that's, that's all one system in terms of where the kids are going to go, but there is sort of a two-tier um, direct operated versus transfer payment, public versus private um, system. So a lot of people don't know that.
0: You kind of touched on your role at the facility, um, and you talked about being the program. Director, facilitator, yeah, program facilitator. Um, what other programs uh, would there be aside from the dog visitation, pet facilitated therapy? Because I I know a gentleman by the name of Wolf Starchild mm. who who's an outdoor educator, yep. and of course he does axe throwing. Yeah, I don't know if you want the kids we, getting involved we do not. with we do not want sharp that. objects nope. and and of course knife throwing and archery. But these are, are programs that might not be a good fit for your facility. Correct.
1: I would say that those would not be a good fit uh, just while we're in there. Um, as much as, I, you know, especially archery, if you could do it in a controlled manner, would be kind of cool for the kids to uh, experience. It, it is unfortunate that, you know, do with their weapons charges and then there's really no way to, to have safe arrows um, to shoot. So, no, we wouldn't be able to do that. Um, but some of the other stuff that he does is fire making, for example, some of those outdoor skills. And actually last year um, in the course of one of our programs, I did do a little uh, fire uh, starting teaching the kids about f- how to make fires right and i used the skills that i learned with wolf at uh barefoot bushcraft uh and the striker that i got is just like his uh, that he uses and i showed them how you can start a fire with uh with tinder and uh, and a striker so that was pretty cool and the kids really thought that was that was neat at the time so in terms of some other programs that, that do come in so we have the dogs like we mentioned coming in as volunteers. Others that come in from the outside as volunteers. So we have Alcoholics Anonymous. They come in monthly, right? So kids do have substance abuse problems. And similarly, Narcotics Anonymous comes in uh, once a month. So whether um, one way or the other, we have uh, substance use issues uh, covered. And a lot of the kids who are coming in are doing their crimes or committing their their crimes while under the influence of some substance. So um, they do... Benefit from those programs. Uh, we also have the YMCA comes in, and there's a youth gambling awareness program. They talk about uh, gambling and you know, pros and cons, and how to gamble safely if you choose to. Um, we have Positive Living Niagara come in, talk about harm reduction, um, which is again something these kids really do need. They don't, uh, they don't have those skills innately, and they l- usually are making poor choices when it comes to things that are safe, whether it's uh, sexual health or substance use. So. Providing them with some information on that is a benefit. We have spiritual life uh, or, like, religious programming, they come in. So we have a pastor that comes in to provide counsel to the Christian youth, um, connected with the imam of the Niagara Peninsula um, Islamic Center, and he'll come in um, for youth who are Muslim. And anything else where a kid has an identified... um, religion or need that's what something else i would do is make a connection in the community to have them be able to uh do that so those are i don't think i'm forgetting any those are the ones that are that come in regularly um to to help is
0: music therapy on the future docket
1: we have had music therapy in the past that's usually was done with uh With some staff who are more musically inclined, we have a guitar at the the center, we have a piano. The kids have uh, asked and and done some play with that. A lot of the kids these days like to do uh, rap music, so they're looking for the beats and then they can work do their own lyrics. So we do do that as well um, as an option to help the kids um, express their creativity and... um, you know keep themselves busy
0: so let's just take a look at the facility is there a gym at the facility yes. facility
1: yes there is absolutely i imagine there
0: would be oh yes
1: so it's <clears throat> definitely the most that of all the programming we do the recreational programming is probably the most popular and the most important right because these are teenage boys they have a lot of energy if they don't have a chance to use it up physically in a positive way they're going to use their energy up in a negative way right and that turns into fights and and things like that so we have a, a wonderful gym actually quite a good quite a good gym if you're ever driving by it's the on the left hand side as you look at the facility um and we have a very large field right so that fence that we talked about in circles, quite a large um uh, outdoor outdoor field for what outdoor have you got players. a couple
0: of acres or 1.5 or you something know, i don't
1: know acres quite as well but it's a as good a size co- lot it's definitely a good size lot it's definitely more than an acre um it's, you could easily have well, It's more much larger than a baseball field would need to be uh we have a gardening program out there actually with, there's enough space for a pretty good sized garden and we do that with the youth during the summertime uh, teaching them how to start a garden harvest um take care of maintain a garden that's pretty that's pretty fun different kids really take to that one as well Um, We also have a weight room, right? So um, the kids who are eligible, right? And that's where maybe we want to talk about the level system that we have. Please. Uh, Yeah. So the kids who are on the higher levels are allowed to go into the weight room. And we have quite a nice weight room. Staff and youth enjoy it together. Um, And we have free weights, which not a lot of places do. And the kids really do appreciate the chance to work on that, right? They're teenage boys, like I said, teenage boys, right? So they're doing a lot of bicep curls and bench press, um, but they also do get a, a, a good solid workout. Um, a lot of kids get much healthier at in custody or in detention than they are on the streets because we're feeding them three square meals a day plus. They've got recreational opportunities, weight room opportunities. So we see kids, you know, gain 20, 30 pounds in a month. Um, some of it's muscle, some of it's not, but who are actually, you know, they're getting clean from whatever substance they might be on. So there's definitely a a physical benefit there. Um, In terms of the level system, you want to touch on that? So please, yeah, we have a, so a lot of facilities, probably every facility that I'm aware of has something like this. So basically it provides structure for the kids while they're there, right? And it provides incentive for good behavior. Um, We're not necessarily looking to punish. We don't want to say we're punishing, but there are consequences for poor behavior, right? So when a youth shows up, Um, they come in they start on level two so we our system is very simple at pyc we have level one two three four right a youth comes in on level two so level two is sort of the default on level two um, they can play board games they can play ping pong foosball we have those on the unit Uh, they can you know use the gymnasium of course uh, but they can't go in the weight room right on level two you know you haven't earned the privilege of using the weight room just yet um, so and your bedtime is 10 p.m. Right? So these kids actually have a structured bedtime. Maybe yeah. for the first lights time off in a long time. night night. Uh, they don't have, to have their lights off at okay. 10. They have to go into their room at 10. Right? Um, shared rooms like a dormitory? Just, no, no. Actually, back when I first started, there were occasionally some shared rooms, but uh, there are no shared rooms anymore. Too many, um, too many possibilities for negative interactions that way. So yes. each youth has their own room. Uh, It's not a cell, like there's no bars anywhere in our facility. The doors are locked, um, but it's not, uh, it doesn't look like a jail, I wouldn't say. Um, Although, of course, with doors locked, I'm sure it feels like a jail to the kids who are there and they can't leave. But they have a room with a door. Uh, They have a bed and a desk and a chair. Everything's bolted to the ground. Uh, They all have a window. Uh, So at 10 p.m. bedtime, they can keep their light on and read. They can listen to music, right? So actually touching on music, uh, I do provide them with uh, a little MP3 player. And they can request different music and they can listen to the music while they read or just listen to the music while they write. Anything like that. And then lights out uh, midnight for everybody. So that's the level two. Level threes, if you can sort of, every day the youth are given a score of their uh, behavior. So basically if they can achieve 70%, they can make level three. Then they get to use the weight room, which is the huge target for level three. Um, on the tuck cart, which I also run, I come around and sell candy and supplies. They can buy pop or candy on level three. They can go to bed at 10:30, um, so they get a half hour later. And those are the main those are the main things there for that. So on, their parents or family would have to give them money. No, actually, that's that's not correct. Or they so have to
0: earn the money. They have to earn
1: the money in nice. the facility. Actually, so parents aren't allowed to send money in. So it's not like adult jail in that sense, right? Okay. Uh, we avoid that way any kind of hey timmy your parents are rich bring in money and buy me stuff right we avoid that avenue for bullying because there's certainly enough avenues for potential bullying when you have kids like this um so every day the youth complete chores and again depending on their level they get a certain amount of uh, money into their little um account based on what chores they do so their chores would be clean the bathroom vacuum the unit tidy things up um do the laundry right so the kids do have to do their own laundry while they're there and um yeah, so those are some of the chores. They earn the money they're going to use. None of the kids who are on level one, two, or three, they don't get to use wear their own clothes. They're wearing just blue sweatpants, which is kind of the, a sort of blue tracksuit, which is kind of the PYC uniform. A kid who's on level four, though, they get to wear their own clothes if they want. They can wear a hat. They get to play video games, which is the big um, draw for level four. Uh, we have a PlayStation, and they can play video games. They can stay up later. They, get, uh, they could stay up to 11 during the week and uh, 11.45 on the weekends. Level fours can have a pizza night on Saturday, uh, and they can buy actually fast food during the week on a Thursday night. So there's a lot of privileges to being level four. It kind of sounds starts to sound like it's not even jail, right? Yeah, like, if they uh, mind their P's and q's, if they are uh, positive role models, they're not getting into a fight, which would lose you a level. They're not bringing in contraband. They're not disrespectful to staff or peers. Then over time, the most many kids can make level four. It's not every some kids can't. They just aren't in that in control of themselves to be able to do it. But I'm
0: curious to know if you've ever had any youth try and escape
1: from your facility or indeed escape from your facility. Yeah, Good question. Uh, no, from our facility, no youth have escaped. Uh, like I say, we do have the, the high fences. Um, this, you know, there's uh, you have to go through uh, like a sort of a two door system to get out, buzz yourself through two doors. Like there's no single door that you could run out and escape for the youth, and every any door that they have access to goes out into the big fenced court, courtyard. So there's no way they're going to get out that way. Um, of course, as staff, we're walking around, we have keys. Um, what I always tell the kids is I can't escape, even if I want to. Like, I can't walk out the front door with my keys. They don't open that way. You have to be, from a control room, buzzed out. So it's 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 not designed for kids to be able to escape. Um, but it could, and it actually did happen at the at the facility I used to work at, where there was an incident uh, where a kid did escape, so... Um, and
0: was he found?
1: Uh, yeah, he was definitely found eventually. <laughs> what had happened in that instance is uh, the way that it... The, the layout there was that the dumpster for the kid... For the facility was inside the compound, inside the fence, right? Well, one day, the, fen- the, the dumpster got placed a little close, more closely to the fence than it should have been. And some kids um, basically took it like, decided to try to jump up off the dumpster, grab the top... And get over so one kid was athletic enough to do it he made us to get down off the pretty high fence and then ran off into the woods um police picked him up at some point later um a couple other kids didn't make it i was there that day i had to run out and pull a kid off the fence and um i think and restraining him right which is what we do have to do as, as staff at the facility is physically restrain the youth yeah um at times
0: and i understand that you train the staff in proper use of force, or am I using the wrong terminology? Uh,
1: yeah, that's correct. P- proper, I mean, proper VR, humane or, use of force. Proper proper containment or restraining techniques, yes, for sure. And, and, and you have a, an extensive
0: course. background in martial arts yourself?
1: Uh, I don't know if I'm extensive, but yeah, I've been training jiu jitsu like we talked about before. Yeah. I've been training jiu jitsu since 2018, so that really does help me when it comes to doing any kind of containments or restraints, but not everyone. Um, has that training, and I can't just use jujitsu moves, right? I have to use approved, um, ministry-approved uh, techniques, to, or to to safely contain the youth, um, and keep them from hurting someone else, hurting themselves, keep them from damaging property, significantly damaging property, or keep them from escaping. Those are the only four reasons we could ever use put our hands onto a young person, right? So, yeah. um, there are times though where you know we do have to do for some of those things.
0: Now, do you have a padded room, a padded quiet room in case some kid's freaking out? You got to put them in there just to
1: let them chill out for a little bit. Uh, So we do have a quiet room. It's not padded. Um, We don't have a room. We don't, pretty much almost never do is put a youth into a room and close and lock the door so that's actually really frowned upon and that is the highest the most intrusive thing we can do so whenever we're interacting with the youth um and this is what we learn in our umab understanding and managing aggressive behavior which is the the course that i do train um what we talk about is we're always trying to do the least intrusive thing possible that's going to work so if we can just talk to a kid who's freaking out and not put our hands on him and get him to calm down that's way better than having to ever use our hands and physically restrain them. Um, we do have a, a quiet room that we would take the youth to, and it's an open door. We'll put them in there so there's no distractions, no other youth, just uh, two staff and, and that youth, and we can talk to them, help them calm down. In the most, uh, in the I suppose you would say, the last possible alternative is to close the door to that room and lock it. Um, we try. And, we pretty much never do that. It might happen once a year at most at our facility. Um, that is uh, considered the most intrusive option, and you have to have approval from management. It has to be reapproved every fifteen minutes. Like we really try to make sure that. There's doesn't some happen. strict guidelines for you guys to follow. Absolutely, there's very strict guidelines. We are licensed by the ministry. Like uh, like I said, we are not fun We are funded by the ministry, licensed by the ministry. Although we are not ontario government employees um they come through yearly and make sure that we've kept the proper logs everything we're doing is being recorded um in, in our log books every time the youth are moving around it's being recorded you've got cameras in the place there are cameras at various parts of the facility for sure like we've got in the high risk areas we've got cameras that do recording we got cameras that record outside um to make sure that's for everyone's safety and security as well
0: now, I, I never thought of asking you, uh, but I think now is the time. <laughs> what is the maximum capacity? Um, you know, because yeah. I'm just like, let me just take a guess. Okay, go ahead.
1: What do you think is the maximum capacity? Yeah,
0: I think uh,
1: uh, 40, 40 youth. 40 youth. So, you are not oh, yeah. correct. Oh, You're not correct. Hey. However, I will give you credit for being, if, if, if we were doing this interview... In 2003, you would have been correct. Okay. So, back when we first, so Peninsula Peninsula Youth Center has 34 bedrooms. Okay. Okay, So, there are 34 bedrooms there on site, right? So, we have three different units, one with 14 rooms, one with 10, and two with 10, right? So, we have 34 bedrooms. Back when we first opened or shortly after we first opened, we actually expanded another room. We made it into more of a dormitory style room with six extra beds. And that was only for the highest level kids. Uh, it was kind of a special area. So we had actually at times 40 youth back under the Young Offenders Act. So that was, again, 20 years ago. So I was kind of close. Kinda close. <laughs> you kind of close, right? So like it was not designed to hold 34 Um, youth and at the time we had to go over with the change from young offenders act to youth criminal justice act it's actually much more difficult for a youth to come to secure detention so over the years our capacity has been cut back our licensed number of beds um in terms of youth we can serve has gone down Uh, i think we first went to 24 and now we're actually at 16 so on any given day there's only a maximum of 16 um clients residents at our facility how many staff full-time full-time staff we have about uh 24 right so not so we do we have both full-time staff and relief staff and relief staff are you know just as important they fill in for our full-time staff um so overall i think we have about 50 total staff um that work at at my facility i should actually know that can the, can the youth ever be granted permission to leave the facility
0: for some reason?
1: Right, okay. So there's a, a couple different reasons why the youth leave the facility. Actually, I had the, uh, myself and a coworker. we took a youth out of the facility just yesterday. So they do have to go out for medical and dental appointments, right? So we have a nurse um, who works for us. So we have a nurse uh, at the facility. We also have a doctor that comes in once or twice a week to do general checkups um, it's like every kid when they arrive, so youth of course have rights while they're in custody. And one of those rights is medical care, dental care, everything that you would think. Um, so we have uh, medical care on site. Take a look at some of the minor things, prescribe medications. Um, but sometimes of course you can't do all the medical tests you need in house. So the kids have to go to either the hospital or the eye doctor, like I went yesterday or to the dentist, um, or to some other Um, medical appointments so they go out for that now in those instances they're in handcuffs right so they can't just go out freely for those uh type of um appointments
0: yeah yeah now is there a limit on how many uh people they can have as visitors
1: okay how does that work so there are visitors as well uh i'll just finish up quickly on the going out on leaves though because it is possible And again, this also used to be more common, but kids can ask once they're sentenced, right? So a youth who's been charged, let's say they robbed the local bank, uh, maybe a bank or charged with robbing a bank. So they're with us. They can't go out on basically any leaves except medical leaves. And when they're out, they're in handcuffs. Once that youth has been sentenced, found guilty and sentenced to a year for robbing a bank, then they can apply to go out on leaves. uh, They're called reintegrative leaves. So they can go out and get used to being back in the community so they can actually go home for a few hours they can go home for the weekend even it doesn't happen nearly as often these days we don't have a lot of kids who are sentenced like that uh, most of our kids are in detention awaiting trial so it is possible for kids to go out also for compassionate leave they can go out for um like i've taken three kids to their mother's funeral which is obviously very sad but um that is something else where they can leave the facility yeah
0: now i understand the kids can can uh you know acquire their education yep. without leaving the facility
1: yeah. and that you have teachers that come in absolutely we do so we have uh just weird we have dsbn teachers right that come in that the youth are all required to attend school um and remember uh you haven't asked this yet but we have kids from the age of 12 really right up to like in their early 20s right so we have kids who might be in grade 7 or 8 rarely but we do have kids who might be in grade 7 or 8 all through high school, and then even kids who have graduated high school. So, our teachers do an amazing job with all the varying degrees of student they have. And even within those age groups, we have students of a, a wide variety of um, capacities, right? So, we have kids functioning at a grade one or two level, and kids who are college graduates. So, they do definitely um, get schooling there. They're actually required to attend school because, as well, school and education is one of their rights. And actually, A lot of these kids, they only are even getting high school credits in a place like PYC. They just don't go to school or they get expelled from school and they decide not to go when they're in the community. But in a, a, again, in a structured environment, they actually do pretty well and they can get a bunch of credits. this,
0: Sean, is much different than homeschooling. Sure. In the sense that. Uh, there are teachers coming in
1: yes no the teachers are coming in so it's not just like they're doing it uh on the computer for example no they don't really have any access to computers for the most part sometimes some of the college graduates can do some online courses under close supervision but otherwise that's actually one of the issues is that these kids can't be on the internet so so much of modern schooling is involving like research on the internet and stuff but our kids have no access um to the internet for any reason
0: do you permit the kids to smoke cigarettes that are of age? No. Is there a designated smoking area for any of the youth?
1: There is not. I think that was something that was actually before my time even when you could have that, kids who are of age. Um, but nowadays, no, there's no smoking of any kind by any youth um, on, the facility, on the facility grounds at all. And of course, since they can't leave the facility grounds. They don't get to smoke at all. Maybe if they get one of those reintegrative leaves and get to go home for the weekend, they'll have to smoke as much as they can before they come back. But uh, no, they, they certainly can't smoke um, there as well. Of course, these days we have kids who also come in and say, well, can I have uh, medical marijuana? And usually the answer is no, they're not getting that either. It's now, usually, like is theres uh, does are they ever granted permission? I've no, no, I've never seen that that they would. I can't say it would never happen, but uh, they would be on more traditional medications if they have need for a medical um, there. So, I'm not the doctor, so I don't get to decide. But we've never had a youth using medical um, cannabis in any way. Are
0: there a lot of youth that are on some sort of medication?
1: Yes, so absolutely there are. Right, uh, I would say I don't know if it's the majority, but it probably averages out that uh, like some of these kids are on a a lot of medication, right? Because really we do have a variety of of sort of a few different types of kids who come to our facility, right? We have kids who are sort of involved in gangs. They're involved in bigger city gangs and um, uh, sort of in the life of crimes just from an urban environment. We also have kids who are drug addicts. Um, themselves and they are committing crimes in order to fuel their addiction we also have kids who just have who legitimately do have some mental health concerns and that's one of the reasons why they're they are struggling in whatever environment they're committing crimes like assaults and whatnot so some of these kids are on quite a lot of medication um, and ideally of course we don't want them we try to keep them as, as little as possible but some of them actually do need psychotropic medication to regulate themselves
0: does your facility have a working relationship with Pathstone Mental Health?
1: We have. Uh, we definitely have connections with all yes. those types of things. We have a social worker on site as well, so she does a lot of that initial stuff, and then all the all the, she does all the referrals. So,
0: Sean, it's always a pleasure having you on the program. Thanks for joining me, Sean Summers. Everyone, youth justice worker, and of course, a dog training enthusiast who's having so much fun with his dog, training his dog, and now. Uh, he and his dog uh, are visiting facilities, and of course, Sean will take his own dog in to work with him.
1: Eventually, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Sean, hope you have a dog gone great day, and thanks for joining me. Thank you very much. Keep up the great work you're doing at the Peninsula Youth Center. Thanks for listening to Unleashed with me. Yours truly, your host, Dave McMahon on 4680q.ca and 4680q.com. All of my Unleashed episodes are on Spotify and all other major podcast platforms. Today's show will be on those platforms within 48 hours. Have yourselves a doggone awesome day. See you later, everyone. Talk to you next time.